Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. The first 78 episodes of Fortune's Wheelhouse offer a card-by-card breakdown of occult correspondences and symbolism in the tarot. If you're a new listener, you may want to start there. In this season, we've been leveling up and examining each correspondence system on its own. First, we looked at the seven traditional planets in tarot, and then at the numbers one through ten in tarot. And with this set of episodes, we're doing a deep dive into each of the twelve signs of the zodiac in tarot. Remember, if you're diving in at random and one of us says something utterly opaque, we have lots of resources on our website to help with some of the more obscure esoteric doctrines that we deal in. That website is www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. There are also a couple of other places where you can check in with us online. You can visit Mel at tabulamundi.com and you can visit me at tsusanchang.com. You can also join over 650 smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends at the Fortunes Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook. As you know, each episode, we have a giveaway. The prize for our last episode on The Sign of Leo was a zip pouch in solar gold brocade, and our winner was Paul in New York. Congratulations, Paul. If you're not Paul and you'd like to get your hands on your own solar gold zip pouch or Arcana case, which can be made in any shape and style in dozens of dazzling silk and brocade fabrics, you can do that at www.etsy.com slash shop slash tarotista. In this episode, we're talking about the sign of Virgo, which is associated with the hermit. The winner of our prize will receive an 8x10 print of Mel's hermit card from either her Tabula Mundi or her Rosetta Tarot. Your choice. You can also order prints of the Hermit or any of the Tabula Mundi Major Arcana from Mel's website, www.tarocart.com. As always, all Fortune's Wheelhouse patrons are automatically entered in the drawing. If you're not a patron and you would like to be, you can sign up at www.patreon.com slash Fortune's Wheelhouse. And now, here's this week's episode. Honestly... I don't know you And I blush Don't want to show you The magic You don't see Yeah, I feel We all carry a legacy You're living true Okay, hi everybody. We are back with the sixth of our zodiacal series, The Sign of Virgo, home territory for me. And it is also kind of marks the end of the first half, I guess. Time for the halftime show. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be talking about the cards of Virgo. The zodiacal major of Virgo is the hermit, our friend the hermit. The decanic minors of Virgo are the eight, nine, and ten of pentacles or discs. The court cards are the knight of discs or king of pentacles, and the shadow decan is held by the queen of swords. Uh, We can also talk about the ruler. 
yeah, the magician as the ruler of the sign, Mercury, and about the world as the card corresponding to elemental Earth, the element of the sign. The technical specs on Virgo are it is night or negative or yin or feminine sign. It is of the triplicity of the elemental triplicity of Earth. It is of the mode or quadruplicity known as mutable, yay mutable. And it is ruled by Mercury, who is also exalted in Virgo. Uh, Jupiter is in detriment in Virgo, and Venus is in fall. Yeah, a lot to dig into there. So shall we um, jump in on the idea of Virgo? I, I tried to look up the etymology a little bit. It's um, Virga, which is Latin for a young shoot or a virgin. Um, you know, it can also just be kind of a wisp of something, or a, I don't know if you've ever seen Virga in the sky. They're kind of trails of clouds. Another sort of meaning of Virga is the staff or the rod or the whip, which kind of is interesting in the light of the hermit. Uh, the Greek term for Virgo is Parthenos, so, which is just means virgin, like Athena, the Parthenon. With Virgo, we turn our attention from larger-than-life sign of Leo to the sign that loves all the little small things. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, you know, as we go through all these, every sign that follows the sign before, it always shows up as some sort of antidote to some of the faults of the previous sign, I guess you could say, kind of like a mm -hmm. corrective force where, you know, so we got the aggrandizement of Leo followed by the more humble nature of Virgo. The, and in um, the seasons too, there's the, you know, we talked about how we went from Cancer's tribe to Leo's rulership and entertainment play factor. And then, you know, Virgo, then you get the harvest and it's time to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I hadn't thought about that, the entertainment versus the work thing. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. One thing that's kind of interesting is that the, the last mutable sign we had was Gemini, also ruled by Mercury. Gemini Mercury is kind of the theoretical Mercury, and Virgo is kind of the applied Mercury. <laughs> yeah, then there's the whole day-night thing. Virgo is the night sign of Mercury. It's kind of interesting because uh, Dane Rudyard talks about Mercury's waning or evening phase. They call it the vespertine phase, but he calls it, um, it's when the sun... Uh, it's when Mercury sets after the sun and looks like it's descending into the Earth. So it's mm. like the chthonic phase of Mercury. And uh, he calls it the Epimethean phase after Epimetheus, uh, mm. who was the uh, god of hindsight versus his brother Prometheus, who is the god of foresight, and his other brother Atlas, who was the god of endurance. Right. Carrying the world <laughs> on his shoulders there, you know, bringing in the world card. So... Yeah, you kind of got a cardinal fixed mutable thing going on with those brothers. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a theme of going into the dark, you know, with Virgo. I think Crowley calls it the crust of the earth. Yeah. That, that the crust of Hades, between, I think. Between, yeah. Yeah, which is why it's always made sense to me once I understood that to see the versions of the hermit, like, you know, what you have in Tabula Mundi and also in Thoth, where he's going into the earth as opposed to being up on top of a mountain. I mean, the, the what they have in common, of course, is that these are very remote and distant places. Mm. Uh, but there is something that seems so resonant to me about, you know, the, the journey of the sun in the lantern beneath the earth, both in terms of the time of year, at least for us in the northern hemisphere and as a sort of 
metaphor for sunset itself. You mentioned chthonic Hermes. There's um, there's a there's a line right at the beginning of the Ode to Thonic Hermes that's anupustrophonoimonanankes. I love it. It means it's going down the road of no return. It's quite beautiful. Mm. And it's true. It's like when the sun descends, it is going to come back, but it's not the same. You know, there's something different about the sun when it's reborn. It's another day. It's, bo- it's both always the same and, <laughs> and, and not. not. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that it's the the road of no return is because it's descending into Hades from which, you know, most of us don't return. And in another sense, life always does go on in one way or another. There's that which remains. That which remains. And that, I think, is also a theme of Virgo. In fact, I often think of Virgo as what to leave behind. You know, I think of Leo as how to go public and Virgo as what to leave behind. What else can we say about Virgo? Um, well, the one thing that really sticks out to me about Virgo is its self-sufficiency. And that kind of ties into the idea of virginity as sort of, you know, needing nothing. Yes. You can provide it for yourself. Yeah, self-containment in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's also that focus on the tiny things, on the, the perfectionism, the sort of bringing the final stage in any production Um, bringing things into completion, breaking things into smaller pieces. Yeah, that um, ties into its um, the theme of I analyze. Mm -hmm. So that skill of of breaking things down into smaller and smaller, more easily digestible, you could say, bits of information. For sure. For sure. That's why the process of digestion is associated with Virgo, the, uh, the small intestine. Very unglamorous, but very necessary. <laughs> yeah, well, Virgo is kind of unglamorous. It's the antidote it's true. to the glamour of Leo. And it's have the true, unassum- yeah. more unassuming mm-hmm. nature, the humility and decorum of Virgo. Being in the helping or service professions. Instead of, yeah, instead of being in the spotlight, being, you know, behind the scenes more. Backstage, really interested in the mechanics of things. Like, how are you going to, like, raise that curtain? How are you going to do the rigging? How are you going to, you know, shine the lights? Wanting to know all of the technical details behind uh, the illusion in front. Um, Everything that goes on backstage. But also occasionally losing the forest for the trees. (laughs) Yeah, I actually actually thought of you when I thought of this other metaphor for that, which it was uh, forgetting to knit the quilt, just sewing the patches. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm literally sitting here in my patched up shorts. (laughs) I actually bothered to patch these. (laughs) I I, I read... uh, that there are two types of Virgos as far as clothing goes. And one is the, you know, all put together, yeah. very <laughs> snazzy. And then there, then there's the Virgo that yeah. would rather spend their money and energy on something other than clothing. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm definitely the latter category these days. But there's, there's something also in it in like, you know how these things work, you know? It's like, why spend money on it when you know how to make it kind of a thing? Yeah, right. And it's sort of like, and things can always be fixed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was going around yesterday in these terrible shorts I've had for like 15 years with a huge hole in the butt. And my kids are like, why are you wearing those? And I was like, they were clean. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just like, you know, I mean, there's very Virgo. At least they were clean. <laughs> they were clean. It's definitely functionality <laughs> first. The knowledge that I could fix them is what prevents me from throwing them out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm a Sagittarius, which is kind of like the anti-Virgo, but I do have several planets in Virgo, so I do have some Virgo it's traits. True. It's true. The, the whole idea of sexuality in Virgo is kind of hard to process. I mean, it is the secret seed. It's incredibly fertile, but at the same time virgin. And I think there's something in there in terms of the relationship with raw material. The idea that you take the raw material and you take it and you process it and you finish it and you take it all the way to the end stage. That's, you know, yeah, you can't just... back into self-sufficiency, having everything mm -hmm. you need to, to, to do that. The idea that you can take anything and make it slightly, just slightly better. <laughs> you know? Resourceful. Skilled and resourceful. And this is funny. I was uh, on Facebook with an old friend of mine who has my exact same birthday and we were commiserating about you know, the, the fate of Virgo, which is to notice everything, you know, and it's like, we don't say stuff most of the time, but you can't help but notice. And that is definitely a blessing and a curse and sometimes more of a curse. Well, <laughs> said that Virgos are annoyed by stupidity, but who isn't? Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and that also that they're, they're very critical of everything because, like, as you said, they can't help but see it. But they're equally right. critical of themselves That's also uh, true. as well. And, well, you're a Virgo, so I hope you don't mind if I say that's this. But totally one thing okay. I've also I'm noticed is that even though they see everything that's wrong with themselves and are self-critical, they really don't like it if someone else points it out to them. That is also true. That is also true. Because you already thought of that. Exactly. They don't like their own errors pointed out because they're well aware. <laughs> they're working on them already. <laughs> it's and and they, don't, they don't like to admit they're wrong because most of the time they're right. That's but hilarious. when they're not, they don't like to admit it. Yeah. And That's and the other thing they don't like is vulgarity, yeah. flightiness, or not being reliable. They don't like people who aren't like punctual and reliable or lazy or late or, you know, they, they it's want. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Because you would think as immutable, you would just kind of adapt to that. But I really cannot stand somebody who says they're going to do something and then doesn't. Yeah, that's a Virgo thing. Yeah. They like because, regularity. Yeah, know. routines, habits, yep. knowing what to expect. And also... Yes, like, habits and routines for sure. <laughs> well, everybody knows that, you know, when I was very, very small, I started this diary because I was like, okay, if I'm going to do anything in my life, I want to do this one thing I do every day for the rest of my life. And I just did I it. I want to document <laughs> nothing. <laughs> exactly. So like from age 10, I have this thing that goes on for my entire life because once you start something, That's you cool. can never stop ever. <laughs> but the funny. other thing is that like, and I think this is a Mercury thing, at least for me, it's like the, your word is your bond. You say you're going to do something it is like hanging over your head until, right. you know, until well, you fulfill the, Virgo the word. work ethic, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, there's a there's a something very Saturnine about Virgo. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say that, too. I yeah. mean, in comparison to, like, Gemini flavor. Um, right. Mercury. Virgo Mercury is definitely, like, well, we got to finish this. Speaking of... Um Things Virgos hate. Uh, well, I was writing this stuff down. <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> I, I, I made up a joke that I think Virgo will really hate. <laughs> but it, it speaks to a lot of the Virgo traits, like the 
self-sufficiency and preparedness mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. dislike of vulgarity and uh, poop jokes. So, <laughs> so, um, so here, here's the joke. It, uh, a Virgo was hoarding toilet paper during the <laughs> pandemic. That's already... That's already they, the joke. <laughs> they were asked what they would do if they ran out of toilet paper, and they said, depends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. That is totally sorry. brilliant. Sorry, Virgos, you probably hate that joke, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, I have an awful lot of, you know, other elements in my chart that make me really appreciate something inappropriate, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, and the other thing, speaking of adult diapers, is that, you know, this is in some ways that last stage, that last alchemical stage, you know, of the shit into gold. Uh, because right, it goes through the digestive system. And yes. Virgo rules, which Virgo rules. Yeah. yeah, and also the idea that, you know, in a way, you can think of that sequence of, well, the relationship to the world, but also to the Ten of Pentacles as being the end of the cycle, you know. In one end and out the other. <laughs> yep. Uh, we'll see that in the uh, Ten of Discs. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Talking about the hermit sum, we associate Virgo with the Virgin, but the hermit really does encapsulate that energy of ending, the idea of, you know, the old man at his mm. the end of life issues and, and something we do see throughout the sign. And it's like, what are you going to do with all that accumulated wisdom? I, I also like to think of the hermit as like, his lantern being kind of a task lamp and he's just like, you know, shining it on the little thing so he can see it better. Getting up close and personal with all the details. Oh, and another thing that's a theme that runs through Virgo and through the cards is the idea of prudence. You know, prudence as the name of one of the cards, but also as, you as know, the virtue. Mm-hmm, the virtue which is associated with the world. And it's the last virtue because it's how you apply all the others you know, the discernment to use them wisely. It's, and it's definitely an adjective you would apply to, to Virgo, prudent. Yes, or even prudish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, occasionally, yeah. occasionally. There's something a little bit reactive about Virgo. It's sort of like you have to have something to act on in order to make it better, right? You know, you have to start with something that's given. And again, that's that idea of prudence as discernment. It, discrimination to see the flaws in something and see how you can improve it. The hermit archetype, I think of the first part of Virgo is really having to do with taking in the harvest, with sort of the repetitive task of taking in the harvest and the work that's involved in that and having to do it while the sun shines. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and to me, that's kind of represented by the lantern of the, the hermit. And then there's a thing in the second part of Virgo, which we'll see a lot, this idea of the perfectionism of Virgo is in there, sort of like polishing it to the final degree and and searching and searching for the flaws. Uh, there's something about Demeter's search in there, you know, the sort mm. of like, you know, where or where I have to look, I have to look and I have to look in all the overlooked places for my daughter. Uh, there's also something about being covered over mm. both there's there's something that we see in the decans there's a in the second one there's something about you know layers of fabric and in the hermit you know he's always robed it's uh right there's something about the bina the supernals there having their titles of the inner robe of concealment and mm -hmm. the outer robe of concealment exactly yeah there's an going inward quality and part of that is the covering over in successive layers to the 
point that when you get to Virgo three, it's almost encoffined, you know, it's almost like buried mm. in the ground, the seed is reburied in the ground. And you have to do that in order to regenerate to redintegrate, you know, is the other word that gets used there, to generate the rebirth of the whole cycle, it has to be hidden and you know, and unseen. So that's part secret of the mystery. Seed. Secret seed. That's the mystery of Virgo. The, the the most important part is the part you don't get to see. In terms of the path and the Hebrew letter, we've got letter Yod, the, the smallest, tiniest, most modest letter. <laughs> the, the seed. <laughs> yeah. It is itself the seed of all the other letters. Yeah. And I, I've seen Yod described as like representing the importance of the smallest you know, and the weakest and the most vulnerable. And that's why it's the first letter of the divine name, you know, the tiny thing from which everything unfolds. Its path is from chesed to tiferet, uh, from, from mercy to beauty on the pillar of form. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly how to parse that path, but there's something about uh, you know, Chesed as the father god archetype and Tiferet as the sun, you know, mm. um, even though we speak of Chokma as being a sky father archetype. Ties a little bit into the, the idea of the Yod as the hand. And I've read as mm -hmm. something that called the Yod, the tool in the hand of God. And that kind of speaks a little bit to the Virgo as servant or assistant, you know? The yes, to creation. Yes. We talked a little bit in the Leo episode about Chesed and Gevurah as the arms of God. And if you think about Yod as the hand of God, we talked about Chesed as kind of giving and Gevurah as taking away. And if Yod is the, the giving side, then mm. that makes a Lamed the, or the justice card, the holding right. back Adjustment. side. Yeah. Yeah. Adjust that's the Saturn, Adjustment. that's the Saturn and Libra kind of card. So yeah, I could see that as being more like the, the taking. <laughs> yeah. And I really see those two mirrored paths as being very closely aligned. I mean, there's a lot of archetypal overlap between the sort of maiden figures of Virgo and right, the justice right. goddess figures of Libra. Right. You definitely see that in the um, the constellation was said to be Estrella, who was mm -hmm. goddess of justice at, at one time. Right, exactly. There's there's a real balance between those two we're thinking about. There's a definite solar component to Virgo that with the light in his lantern, and that's very because yeah. he's connected to the heart of the tree, the Tiferet, with the solar forces. That's a great point. I mean, I you can almost think of the hermit himself and his relationship with his lantern as Hesed safe and its relationship to Tiferet, mm. the, the safeguarding of the light. I'm imagining the hermit traveling down that path from Hesed to Tiferet, bringing the sun's light there to be displayed and illuminated. Something about, else too yeah. about the hermit card. And it's, you know, when you see the, the Thoth version of the hermit card with the Cerberus, Mm -hmm. And that idea of Cerberus as representing the three heads of control over speech, action, and thought. It's kind mm -hmm. of interesting because, you know, in the in the last card, in the Leo card, you see control over the more, like, passionate animal nature kind of things. And, and now we're into a more, like, intellectual realm in Virgo where, you know, that's more bodily mm -hmm in a way, and this is more mind way, speech, action, and thought, you know, like the discernment factor. Yeah, that's really interesting, the Cerberus archetype, which you can clearly see in the Thoth deck. Another sort of theme of Hades, 
is the idea of psychopomp mercury, which we talked about a little bit in mm -hmm. the beginning. The idea that, you know, this may be the road of no return, but, you know, mercury can go there <laughs> and come back. <laughs> right. All access pass. <laughs> All access pass. Exactly. You know, and that's part of the Persephone myth, too. You know, that in some versions, Hermes or Mercury, in some versions, Hecate, in some versions, both lead her out of the underworld. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. they're the only ones who can go there. Uh, shall we focus in on decanic miners? Sure. Shine a light on them. Look uh -huh. at the details. So first we've got Eight of Pentacles, the sun in Virgo. Natal sun decan for me. Prudence. Mm. Prudence, yes. Dear Prudence. Where they specifically talk about the old dress and the ragged wool dress that the that the girl's wearing, which always makes me feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> and in her hand is a pomegranate. That's, That's very, right. uh, very, very much the resonant with the mythology. Eleusinian mysteries. Yeah, uh, it's associated with sowing and planting and building and and <laughs> gathering grapes, which kind of. You yeah. see more in the next card than nine. You do, you do, yeah. Which is interesting too, because in, you know, in the constellation, there's the, the I think the it's the Beta Star that's the grape harvester, Vindimiatrix. The oh uh, right, the, yeah. It's the palm frond carried in the uh, the the right arm of the the maiden figure in the sky, whereas in her left hand she holds the the wheat shaft. Um, mm -hmm. But the name of the star means the grape harvester. Yes, yes, that's right. And Crowley says that in his version, or his and Lady Frida's version of the card, that the discs are arranged like populus, which is not, mm -hmm. you know, it's not the geomantic figure associated with the... Um, right, it's but, more the moon, but eight, you know, <laughs> he probably couldn't resist the symmetry of the eight. <laughs> yes, there. yes, and the idea that it is fertile, that it is like the generative seed. Uh, mm -hmm. And he talks about it, and you can kind of see this in the sort of swirling roots of the tree as the the withdrawing of the energy into the earth. Again, that sort of act of once you bury the seed, something's got to happen in there. Something energetic mm -hmm. has to happen for that seed to come to life. Over that time. And undisturbed. So, yeah. And then we have Virgo 2, which is the Venusian Deccan, which is, you know, particularly interesting because kind of like what we saw with the five of wands where Saturn was in detriment, Venus is in fall throughout the mm. sign, but she has this this foothold in the second Deccan where she has a little bit of it's, dignity. It's interesting, uh, though. Venus being in fall in Virgo, it's kind of, and then the card is gain, because I've seen it in, in action. I remember one mm -hmm. year Venus was in Virgo during the right time of year, and um, that year, at that time, there were more apples than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like every apple tree, yeah. even trees that didn't normally bear fruit because they were wild, overgrown, old trees were loaded with apples. And I just wow. said, yeah, there, there's gain right there. You know, there's there's Venus and Virgo. Yes, I guess a benefic in fall is still a benefic, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, if you think about same uh, situation with... You, you know, your Eight of Wands, Mercury, and Sag, you know, that's a planet in detriment, does pretty good, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's face It's not face a benefic, dignity, but guess. still. Yeah. But it's got face dignity. But let's see. So what's another example? So uh, Jupiter in... Do we have Jupiter in... Oh, Jupiter in Gemini. So, well, hmm, that, I guess, is not so great. 
you know, but it's off the middle pillar, uh, Eight of Swords. And mm. I guess that explains a lot. It's, it's interesting to think about. It's not so bad either, though. It's not so know? bad either. Exactly. I mean, if you had to choose between eight, nine and ten of swords, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, another, it's the best of the bunch. <laughs> it's the best of the bunch. And, you know, and it does confer such flexibility and brilliance of mind, really. Mm -hmm. The nine of pentacles or discs, this is that decan where there's that covering over of things and and protection and, you know, and it's sort of like I think of something precious that you want to protect. So you wrap it in multiple layers of things or the way you protect your gains in a, you know, bank vault in, you know, behind bars with a security guard. There's a certain frugality that goes with gain. You know, there's two things that have to happen. You have to generate a lot of stuff and you have to protect it from loss and diminution. Mm. Oh, and the other thing is that, oh, I forgot to mention about the Crowley nine of discs. He says something in there that's so fascinating that, you know, you've got those three supernals as the central discs, but then yep. the energy is crystallizing into coins on the remaining six. You know, we're mm. going to see that in the 10, of course, how it's all coins all the time. But as you get lower on the tree, you know, this sort of numinous pentacle energy becomes more and more material, mm -hmm. um, more and more tangible. And uh, I mean, who doesn't like to get gain? Right. Yeah, I think he says something about how, you know, it's not true attainment, but who cares when you're reckoning up the winnings? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then the 10 of pentacles, which is or discs, which is so interesting. I mean, you know, I, I, it took me a while to kind of understand the depth and richness of this card, because it is the card that kind of sums it all up, you know, mm -hmm. the final last, last of the minor sequence. Yeah, the great work. And, you know, last in the first half of the year, but, you know, in the summer, you can think of it in the Southern Hemisphere as being the absolute final decan as well. And it definitely has those connotations of old age. For sure. I mean, you can see uh, a version of the hermit sitting right in the front in the Rider-Waite-Smith version. It's associated with old age and infirmity, injury to limbs. <laughs> they talk about the white body swathed in linen. And I always think of that as being, you know, a, what do you call it? A shroud of some shroud. Kind. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or, you know, the linens wrapping a mummy that's sort of like the last act of respect. In some versions, he's leaning on a stick, which reminds me of the, the staff Herm of the yep. hermit. Yep. So they talk about um, the destruction of trees as well. And I think in Picatrix, uh, no, that's Agrippa. 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 Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, in order to make something, you got to cut the tree down to harvest the wood, you know, yeah. in order to create your box to keep your money in. <laughs> 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 There's something about harvesting the old resources to protect the new. I don't know. When the, when you accumulate the gains from the nine, you have to sort of hoard them away so that they can be used by in the best case, it, by what you're birthing in the 10. There's a something Crowley says about how in the 10 of discs, if you don't use the... Um, right. Yeah, there's the something about coins. hoarded resources not being resources at all. They become yeah. something inert. 
Yeah, and it makes you think of the vice of Malkut, you know, avarice. And the other thing that's really, really important, I think, is that, you know, especially in the Thoth version, is what happens in the representations of Mercury, except for in the Sephira Hode, right? Because it's all Mm -hmm. Mercury pictures or sigils or symbols for Mercury on every coin except for Hode. Except for the Mercury one. Except for the Mercury one, yeah, where you have... Yeah, the solar, which is showing right. the, the regenerative force. Exactly. There's there's two things that I think about that sun. First of all, we talked about the sun in the Leo episode as kind of endowing things with purpose, with higher purpose. And mm-hmm. it's like, if you didn't have the sun there, there would be no reminder of rebirth, of starting the cycle over again. I think of that sun as being that little voice in your mind that reminds you of the thing you were supposed to do, you know, when it, when you're finishing something up or when you're finishing your day and there's like a little voice that says, but wait, but wait, there's more, you know, and the idea that you have to set the stage for the next thing. And then um, the other thing is something that uh, I've heard about Hod and Netzach, which are the spheres of prophecy, the Hod is referred to as the hazy mirror. So like Netzach as prophecy is like when you get divine inspiration and you get like a fiery download from a vision or a trance, you know, you go kind of insane. But but Hod represents prophecy as divination, what we do. You know, we read signs and symbols in this kind of indirect way with our heads down looking into trying to interpret, which is very much a mercurial thing, trying to interpret these tiny, tiny um, signs for That's, greater uh, meaning. That kind of ties into the hermit's title, the prophet of the eternal. Exactly. And there is supposed to be in Hod a kind of humility that we associate with Virgo, but a sort of like a, a recognition that you can't necessarily know the exact truth, but you can... Interpret. Um, you can interpret, you can put forward the effort required to meet the divine kind of more than halfway. <laughs> that, I think that, that that Ten of Pentacles is just endlessly fascinating. You know, with the Venus, Venus Deccan, there was an emphasis in the Nine on kind of making things beautiful and polishing them up to be sold or promoted or whatever. And in, in Mercury's final decan of Virgo, you have the actual exchange of worth, right? You know, there's the Mm -hmm. merchant, the market, where you give up one thing in order to gain another. I think that that's important. I mean, the idea that you don't have what you had before, but you have something that's also of value, that's of equal value or greater value. One of the jobs that the magician does is create that free flow of commerce, which is important, you know, not just for what you gain from it, but the act of itself of commerce creates fluid communication between people. It makes the world go round. Yeah, there has to be an act of communication and exchange going on. Exactly. So we talked a little bit with the Knight of Discs or King of Pentacles about, you know, his relationship to the eight and nine of discs and, you know, the way that he food production. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I always think of him in the writer Wade Smith as like, you know, the, the King is the land, right. You know, he's practically, he's practically sunk into there. It makes me think of the body of Osiris, you know, um, fertilizing the crops, but there is that sacrificial King 
harvest yes. thing going on for sure. Yep. You know, and the king, um, one with the land. That's right. It's his sacrifice, his blood that makes the land flourish. And then we have, speaking of sacrificing his blood, we have the, yes. the Queen of Swords off with, his head. <laughs> off with his head. You know, and I always think of the story of the Queen of Swords as something you can see in that ten of discs, two of swords, three of swords. I, I think of her as like the widow who she she gets this incredible legal inheritance, the ten of discs through a legal proceeding, which is the two of swords, and then mm-hmm. the heartbreak and sorrow that goes with that because she's, you know, she is bereaved. Uh, and mm-hmm. the three of swords is one sort of quick way of summing up the character of the queen of it, swords. It definitely looks like the transition between, you know, Virgo and the next sign, Libra, too, because it looks like the head she's carrying looks like the hermit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Out with the old, in with the new, off with his head. It does look like him, even though... The king is dead, long live the king. <laughs> that's actually really interesting because, you know, one way of interpreting the head she's holding is, you know, her commitment to the truth, right? The removing of the mask, I think, is one of the ways that's yep. described. Uh, and it's the lifelong quest of the hermit to find the truth, right? So uh, the climax of that journey is <laughs> the remo- removal of the mask, something in there about illusions and uh, sacrifice. I'm not sure Mm. what exactly, but when Mercury rises in Virgo, Agrippa says you can make an image of a man sitting on a chair or riding a peacock and having eagle's feet on his head, a crest. None of these seem tremendously Virgo to me with a rooster or fire in his left hand. But the thing that it's for seems quite apt, which is for goodwill, wit, and memory. Mm. And whereas the working that you do for Gemini rising is for knowledge and eloquence. There's a little bit of a distinction there between the gifts of Mercury in Virgo versus Gemini, specifically having to do with, I think, memory with Virgo, the, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a backwards looking at the past. Yeah. 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 Uh, Versus knowledge and eloquence are, you know, Really, gifts you can just use in the moment. They don't have to be tied into any sense of the past. And also memory is, uh, besides being a hermetic art, and I really do think the art of memory, the memory palace, is something that's associated with Virgo uh, and and Virgo's many systems. There's something about learning from the past as well, so you're not doomed to repeat it. Mm, um, yeah, <laughs> Virgo being an applied sign, you know, you're you're taking everything that you already learned and putting it hopefully to good use. All right, shall we talk about Astray a little more and the myths of Virgo, the constellation? Yeah, okay, biggest yeah, one in the so, sky. <laughs> yeah, Astraea was said to be the last of the immortals to leave and abandon the earth. There, all the immortals were there, I guess, in the Golden Age. And then she stayed through the Silver Age. And then once the wicked, wicked age of iron (laughs) happened, she said, you know what? I'm really annoyed with this stupidity. And she left. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of here. F7. Yeah. It is said that she has this relationship with DK or Justice, Justitia. Well, the scales of Libra Libra. were, were the next sign. So, you know, at one point it was thought she was holding the scales. (laughs) <laughs> you know, another version of the Astraea myth is the myth of the daughter of Apollo, the Parthenos, 
um, literally the virgin, who killed herself because I think she did something to anger her father and she was terrified and she killed herself. And then Apollo took pity on her and placed her in the sky kind of a thing. So a bit of a dark myth. In, is is Alpha Virginis Spica? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's one of the brightest stars and most fortunate stars in the and sky. And most fortunate. Yeah. I think it's something like 16th most bright and uh, very fortunate. Uh, it is the ear, the ear of grain, that which is harvested by the Virgin. There was something about, too, that it being the a shaft of grain that Isis uh, spilled as she was being chased by Typhon or something. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. There's another Mesopotamian myth that describes this constellation as the furrow, you know, the furrow you make to plant mm-hmm. seeds. So a lot of yep. um, agricultural myths. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the journey of the sun god uh, through the underworld. We've talked about Demeter and Persephone, her journey into the Yeah, there's a the lot dark. of goddesses and uh, mythologies associated with that. Mm-hmm. Tension between virginity and fertility, um, and yeah. and also uh, the the journeying below the crust. So you know, there's Isis in there. There's um, Demeter and Persephone, of course. We've already mentioned. There's there's also um, Ishtar and Tammuz, which parallels mm-hmm. Inanna and Dumuzi. Mm-hmm. That whole um, mythology is kind of associated a little bit with with Virgo. Yeah, I mean, and I often think of the archetype of the world as elemental earth as talking about that relationship, the return of the daughter to the mother, or taking her place, and the relationship of Malkut and Bina as well. And there's something I also think about with Virgo as being kind of resonant with the um, the hearth goddesses. Yes. You know, that whole keeper of the flame, keeper of the home and hearth, the Vesta, Hestia archetype. Yeah, and actually, speaking of the fireside, one of the stories I love to associate with Virgo is the story of Cinderella. Oh, right, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, in some versions, it's her mother who is her fairy godmother, so there's that daughter and mother relationship, but also, like, the aid of discs is her, you know, slaving away. Sew that gown (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Every day, same, work hard, do your chores. The nine is when Venus comes in where she's bonafide, she's beautified, and she turns into this gorgeous princess with the help of her fairy godmother Venus. Uh, And then the 10, of course, is where she gets... (laughs) (laughs) That, but also, you know, the end of the story where she gets to live in the castle with all the wealth, you know, and... and One of the sort of motivations behind the story of Cinderella, which isn't always emphasized, is that the king and queen wanted a grandchild, right? They wanted the the prince to marry. So there's something in there about, like, how are we going to uh, regenerate? How are we going to continue our story? Exactly. And the heroine of the story is the key to that, the daughter. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Fascinating to me. Also, yeah, like the that. emphasis on the foot, <laughs> you know, is uh, is kind of the the lowest part of the body. Although, you know, anatomically that's associated with Pisces. But there's something about like Malkut and like the lowliest being elevated uh, throughout that story. <laughs> Cinderella was always my favorite fairy tale, but I think it's especially appealing to Virgos because he's like, I'm going to work really hard and somebody's going to reward me someday. Someone's going <laughs> to notice. <laughs> Someone's gonna notice. <laughs> yeah, that seems very Virgo. Yeah, totally. 
Totally. I'm not allowed to complain, but somebody's going to notice someday. <laughs> uh, shall we talk about correspondences some? Yeah. Oh, colors. What are colors? Oh, yeah. Well, we already mentioned in the Leo episode, so Leo's king scale color was yellow, but a greenish tint of yellow. And now we have green, but a yellowish tint of green <sighs> Yeah, yeah. as the uh, next color in the spectrum. Yeah, funny. It kind of goes back to that idea of Virga, the young shoot. Uh, which mm. has that green yeah, yeah color. for sure. Yep. Yeah. And then there's slate gray as the queen scale color, which seems very Saturnine, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. Kind of fits in with the old age kind of thing. Um, then greenish gray, and then plum, the rich plum of uh, the princess scale mm-hmm. color, which kind of ties back into the daughter, that plum color being associated kind of with um, Bina. Yes. Being as crimson, you know. Yes, exactly. Very subdued tones, but um, but uh, very tasteful tones. Tones that don't really draw attention to themselves. Interestingly enough, uh, we've talked about anatomically the uh, belly or intestines, the abdomen, the digestion. Sometimes people associate the nervous system as just as a mercurial thing. But yep. uh, uh, Well, that kind of ties into um, some of the. Plants that I've seen associated with Virgo are valerian, which is, you know, said to help you sleep. Oh, yeah. And, and skullcap, which is one of my favorite herbs. I grow it and tincture it because it is fantastic for anything to do with the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Whether it's mm-hmm. whether it's anxiety or nerve pain or r- weird nervous yeah. system disorders, it is one of the only herbal remedies I've ever found that actually does something. <laughs> Seriously, like a lot yeah. of herbal remedies, yeah. it's like you have to basically drink a quart of tea every day for a month <laughs> before maybe if you're lucky, something will happen. Yeah. But with, with Skullcap, for me anyway, that's the reason mm-hmm. I grow it and tincture it is because it is basically instantaneous. Um, oh, that's amazing. And it what doesn't it, what really does it look like? like? So it looks kind of like it's, I think it must be in the mint family because mm-hmm. it has a square stem like the mints have. Yeah. And it you know, kind of looks like a mint, but it gets these little tiny purple flowers that if you look at them up close and turn them upside down, they look kind of like a skull wearing a helmet, I guess. Mm. (laughs) Real tiny though. And is it the blossom that you use or the leaf? The whole flowering top. So when it's Mm -hmm. in flower, I just cut off like, you know, two or three, four or five inches off the top of the plant and stuff it in a jar full of alcohol, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it really, really works for for anxiety or anything to do with damaged nerves in the body. Of which uh, I have both, so I, I, oh, I need geez. it. <laughs> yeah. Other plants are like the narcissus and the snowdrop, um, yep. the solitary ones, you know. And the seem... vegetable drug is uh, anaphrodisiacs. So not <laughs> aphrodisiacs, but anaphrodisiacs. It's so preventing yeah. sexual desire, which I guess goes with the whole virgin thing. I guess so. I guess so. I guess. a little on the nose. but And considering that the sort of other side of Virgo, the fertility is expressed by all the sort of nut trees that are that correspond to Virgo. Yeah, yeah, that's a Mercury thing, nut trees. Yeah. So I can see yeah. that. Um, so you have kind crops, of I can see that things below oh, totally. the crust of the earth, like especially carrots. I think I read were oh really were hmm. Virgo-ish, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and all the grains, obviously. Um, which I was trying to think of, you know, for the signs. I was trying to think of like, oh, what would be a good one? Just a thing. For, so for Virgo, barley corn, the barley. Oh corn. yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, little yeah, tiny yeah. thing that gets you know mashed and mm-hmm. scrunched and regenerated into 
alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I guess would be Pisces, but. <laughs> well, you know, there's the whole loaves and fishes thing, you yeah. know, and yeah. what is beer made from after all? Right. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. You have like these very abundant things, grains and nuts and seeds, and yep. you have these very pure things like snowdrops and violets and narcissus mm. and things like that. It's a whole, the, uh, that whole like Virgo, yeah, that Virgo Pisces access, the loaves and mm-hmm. fishes, the, yeah. the, the wine and the grains, uh, that kind of thing. That, that actually reminds me of something I was thinking about. It's like you and I, you know, we did that Fortune's Wheelhouse book together mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you're a Virgo, I'm a Sagittarius. And the, <laughs> the thought that popped into my head for such a kind of odd couple partnering. For yeah. A book would, it was right drunk, edit sober. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> the book that Mel is referring to is Tarot Deciphered, which is coming out from Llewellyn in spring, I think, next year, 2021, March. and will be available everywhere. Yes. Who knows, by the time you're listening to this, maybe maybe it will be out if you're listening some months later. We've got uh, metals are weird because there's quicksilver, of course, mercury. Mm. I've heard aluminum, too, which kind of makes mm. sense. Uh, we've got the stones, carnelian, zircon, peridot. Uh, yeah, love peridot. The green, that's a that's a beautiful color, green, greenish yeah. yellow. And I've heard uh, agates too. Yes, all mixed. Uh, that's a mercurial thing. All Mercury mixed stones. Thing, yeah. Yep. Especially yep. and sardonyx is like that too because it's layers, yep. layers of red and onyx. I don't know about the animals so much. I have bear, cat, pig, squirrel written down here, but only squirrel really makes mm-hmm. sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Same. it's a human sign. <laughs> so, although bear, you know, one thing that I've heard about bears is that um, bears are the herbalists of nature, in that oh. bears will seek out and eat herbs that are uh, remedial for things that are wrong with them. They 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 will instinctively know what herb to go eat to you know fix whatever problem. And that mm-hmm. to me, herbalism is a kind of uh, Virgo for sure Virgo thing because you know Virgos are very health conscious and you know whether they're some of them you know will hoard pharmaceutical supplies or like drugs mm-hmm. to have drugstore stuff fetish like yeah but, um, yeah 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 but, for but sure it's also a lot of them are, are into herbalism and and I, I and just I the medical profession generally. Enough. Yeah. Past life, and I think yeah. it's due to all the Virgo in my chart. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They are the doctors or the yep. healers. Healers, yes, exactly. Healers. Yeah, there's a real fascination with the way the body works, I think, in Virgo. We didn't mention the geomantic figure, which is conjunctio, uh, the crossroads. And, you know, conjunctio is, uh, on the one hand, it is. You know, it's it sounds as sexual as it is. You know, the secret yeah, seed, right. the conjunction, etc. But the it's cr- also crossroads association with Hermes. Exactly, the idea of communication and movement and change. It's it's very good for you know changing things. And I've heard for finding lost objects, which I could really use. So, <laughs> so Did maybe you ever I should find get your keys that you lost. No, and you never. know what? Never ever. So many psychics went after that thing, and also you know we had work done on our house, and the contractors literally dug up under the entire porch and excavated it and it never turned up it's so weird i mean i literally came home and they just disappeared 
So I have no idea. Oh, I hate when shit like that happens. I know. I, I mean, I assume some spirit That's, needed it. That, <laughs> you know? that happens to me a lot. Like something, I just swear to God, something hides things on me and, and I get so <laughs> agitated. Oh, you can ask yeah. Pete. Like there's nothing that annoys me more when I can't find something that I know yeah. I have. <laughs> I know. I know. And the whole thing with St. Anthony never helped me. You know, I, I think he just ignores me. He's like, you're not my people. I'm not going <laughs> to give you a hand. So I don't know what it is. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Did we mention the uh, magical powers and weapons? Oh, no, we didn't. We forgot about that. So um, magical weapons, the lamp and the wand, parentheses, virile, force reserved. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, the bread. And the bread, yes. And then the, the magical powers are really interesting. Invisibility, that's a good one. That's a good that, one. That's good for Virgo, too, you know. The Excellent, kind of yeah. Behind-the-scenes thing. Um, parthenogenesis, mm-hmm. which is another good one for the, mm-hmm. you know, ability mm-hmm. to uh, self-fertilize. And initiation. Yes, all Which kind all of fits gifts. in with the Ten of Discs being a restart of the whole cycle. Yeah, yeah, they tie into the sort of hidden powers of Virgo and also the sort mm-hmm. of, like, I don't need anybody thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which are concepts that go together. I mean, if if you're invisible, nobody can see you anyway. So <laughs> so you better not need anybody. <laughs> so interesting how we went from, you know, the emphasis on being seen uh in Leo to literally your secret power being invisibility in Virgo. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we did it. Yep. I think we did it. Uh, let's um, go over some themes. We talked about the virgin or maiden, the young woman, the return of the daughter to the mother. The waning or evening or vespertine phase of Mercury, setting after the sun and descending through the crust of the earth, visually anyway. Yeah, themes of the underworld and Hades, um, Thonic Hermes, the psychopomp. The an- themes of on- uh, both virginity and fertility in that um, that kind of juxtaposition between the two that it straddles. Diagnostic skill, analytical skill and efficiency. The application of mercury versus the theory of mercury. Bread, grains. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I want a bagel. Um, let's see. The... The, the the concept of the pure maidens too pure for this world ascending into the sky and their relationship with justice. Yes, Estrella uh, leaving the world because she, uh, like Virgo, is annoyed by stupidity. Yeah, she's like, I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> Let's see. Self-sufficiency. Forest for the trees. Secret Hatches seed. Hatches for the quilt. <laughs> Prudence gain and wealth. And hoarding toilet paper. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for uh, going deep into the details with Virgo today. And we will be back next time with the sign of Libra. See you then. And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. If you appreciate what Mel and I have done here at fortunes wheelhouse, please consider leaving us a five-star reviewer rating on iTunes, Apple podcasts, or Google play. And if you'd like to support the making of this podcast, 
and gain access to all the member perks that come with that, please consider becoming a patron at any level you like by visiting www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. You can also explore Fortune's Wheelhouse gear, like t-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs, and more, by checking out our Redbubble shop. That's at www.redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. Mel's beautiful books, decks, and prints can be found at tarotcart.com. And my book, Tarot Cases, Astrological Perfumes, and Online Tarot Class can be found at tsusanchang.com. Treat yourself to the tarot gift you've always wanted, because you are a hero of the astral plane, and we so appreciate your support.